All right, you ready to study the word? All right, let's get to it. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, and I'm so uh, glad to see you. I know a lot are, have uh, caught the bug out sick today, but uh, I'm glad that you're here. It's also good to have my family here. Rare treat to have all of my family uh, with us uh, this morning, and I hope you had a wonderful time with uh, family and friends of yours. If you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 5, put a marker there, Isaiah 5, put a marker, finger, thumb there, something, and then turn over to John 15. Isaiah 5, Old Testament, okay, one of the prophet books. And then over to John chapter uh, 15 in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fourth in Isaiah 5, John 15. Now, this is going to be a final message in my series called Rooted. And uh, this series has been instructing us on to developing our relationship with Jesus Christ. And every week I've asked you, do you want to grow in your relationship with uh, the Lord? Now, I want to tell you this. Uh, Satan does not want you to have a rooted relationship with Christ. Yes or no? Satan does not want you to have a rooted, uh, strong relationship with Christ. In fact, he'll do everything in his power to stop you from growing. If he failed to keep you from receiving the gospel, he'll work 24-7 to make sure that it doesn't matter that you did. The biggest threat to Satan is a spirit-filled, empowered believer that is firmly rooted in an intimate relationship with Christ, and it is advancing the kingdom of God. If you want to be a threat to Satan, you get rooted in Christ, empowered by the Spirit of God. There are two major lies that Satan uses against the believer, against the, the believer. Now, there's a lot of lies, but there are two major ones that he uses. Lie number one is it's all up to God. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. I've gotten saved now. Now it's all up to grace to fill in all the gaps until I make it to heaven. That's one lie. The other lie is it's all up to me. It's all up to me. You know, that lie is a religious trap, by the way, where you're wearing yourself out trying to do all of the right things and say all the right things and do all the right service and 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 be the model believer. See, Satan, he'll, he'll be working to either hold you back or wear you out. And I want you to remember, we've talked about this. God chooses to partner with his people. He chooses to partner with us. Why? Because he wants to be in a growing, dynamic relationship, intimate relationship with him. And he chooses to partner uh, with us. Now, in this series, we've been talking about what it looks like to be for a believer to be rooted in their relationship and be in partnership with God. Now, the title of this message today is Pruning. That's just the title of the message. And I'm not talking about what happens when you stay in the bathtub too long, although you do prune. But I'm talking about a God-ordained, designed process of cutting out and cutting back the things in our lives so that we can have healthy growth in our relationship with them, the pruning. Now, I don't like that word. We often don't like that word. We were talking about that earlier today. We don't like the word pruning. We think sometimes that it means something's wrong. Uh, when we hear that word, yeah, the Lord's been pruning. Uh, churches go through uh, pruning processes, some uh, and and then some 
people, they believe that there's something wrong with that. Uh, Cultivate, by the way, has gone through many pruning uh, processes in our four years. See, because pruning is a part of the growth process. It's a part of the growth process. Uh, The more growth, the more pruning. Every time we've been pruned in an area as a church over the years, every single time without fail that the Lord has pruned, we've seen growth in that area after the pruning. We've seen growth. You and I go through pruning as individuals. Uh, we, we get pruned in our relationships and in, in, in our habits and in, in our traditions and in our ideas. In fact, Cultivate Church was birthed out of a personal pruning process. If you're growing, you can guarantee, just mark it down. If you're growing, there's going to be pruning. There's going to be pruning. If we're going to be in a growing relationship that has strong roots in Christ, in fact, there must be pruning. And I want to see what Jesus has to say about it and how it helps us stay rooted in Christ. I'm going to ask you if you would stand in the honor of reading of God's word. We're in John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse one. But before we do, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and illuminate the truth of his word. So would you join me in that uh, prayer? And then we'll remain standing and uh, read scripture together. So Lord, we come to you now. Lord, we worship you. We've lifted our voices. And God, now uh, we need your help. Holy Spirit, to understand the word, would you lead us and guide us into all truth, Lord? And I die to myself, I empty myself, and I ask you to fill me, Lord, to overflowing. Or would you interrupt our lives today? Have your way. And if there's anything that's hindering us, we take authority over it in the name of Jesus. And we remove it. So God, do what only you can do. Anoint us, Lord, as we read your word. Open our eyes and our ears. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, remain standing. Here we go. We're going to start in verse 1, John 15, verse 1. Familiar passage. I am the true vine, the grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful Unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce a little bit of fruit. Much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, what's the word? You can do nothing. God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. All right, now. I want to tell you a little bit of symbolism about the vine. Okay, let's talk about the vine for a minute. The vine was a very familiar symbol to the Jewish people. When Jesus was telling them this, uh, when he was talking to uh, his disciples, 
He was telling them this, this parable and he was referring to the vine and it wasn't anything new for them. It didn't catch them off guard at all. Uh, in the Old Testament, the vine was a symbol for Israel. That's what it, it meant. Uh, they were God's chosen people and their covenant heritage was their lifeblood. That was their life. I want to show you, there are many passages that show that, but I want to just show you one from Psalm 80. You don't have to turn there, but Psalm 80 verse 8, it says, you brought a vine, and he's talking about Israel. You brought a vine out of Egypt and you drove out the nations and planted it. You planted it there. You cleared the ground for it and it took deep root and it filled the land. So it's talking about the prosperity of Israel, the vine. See, if you were in covenant uh, heritage of Israel, you had the access and the favor of God's hand. If you were in that heritage covenant. Uh, but even though God had done everything for them, he cleared the land, he cleared out their enemies, he did all of that. All they had to do was obey and they would prosper. They didn't do that. And we see that over and over again. All they had to do was obey and uh, they would prosper, but they didn't. And so God removed his hand of protection over them and then other nations came in and overtook them. And we see that pattern all through scripture. So what did God do? God started over with one shoot of the vine. Who was that? Come on, Jesus. That's right. Here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. Now, Jesus is standing there and he's saying to them, these Jewish believers, he's saying, now I'm the vine and you are the branches. See, here's a big thing that was in that sentence. Uh, here's what it would have meant to them if they were them hearing it. It was meaning a relationship with God, uh, Yahweh, is not, fellas, is not in your religious practices. A relationship with God is not in your heritage. Your relationship with God and the life that it brings is in me. That's what he was saying. Now. What can we learn from this? What truths can we learn from this passage? Here's number one, if you're taking notes. You need to recognize the source. Recognize the source. Look back at verse one. Jesus said to them, he said, I am the grapevine and my father is the gardener. All right, now, two things that make Jesus makes very clear. The first thing is, he's like, I'm the vine. In other words, he's saying, if you want life, you get it from me. If you want life, this is where you get it. The other thing he says is he's saying that God is responsible for making something grow. You get life from me and God is responsible for making it grow. Now, remember, we've talked about this all through this series. God has a part and you finish it. And we have a part. You're quiet. God has a part and there you go. Our part, what's our part? Our part is to apply the growth agents to the seed of the gospel in our lives, but God is the one who makes things grow. Now, turn over to Isaiah. You've had a marker there, Isaiah chapter five. I want to show you what Jesus was trying to tell them here. I want to show you. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Isaiah five and one, verse one. <clears throat> he says, now I'll sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. Now, and I want to keep in mind what I told you the vineyard is in the Old Testament, okay? 
All right. He says, my beloved, my beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land. He cleared its stones and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. Now, you people of Jerusalem and Judah, you judge between me and my vineyard. In other words, he's saying, now you tell me, what more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not yet already done? When I expected sweet grapes, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? Now, verse five. Now, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will tear down its hedges and let it be destroyed. I will break down its walls and let the animals trample it. Look at verse six. I will make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. And I will command the clouds to drop no rain on it. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's armies. There it is. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. And by the way, he was so proud of his people. God loves his people. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. What sorrow for you who buy up house after house and field after field until everyone is evicted and you live alone in the land. But I have heard the Lord of heaven's army swear on earth a solemn oath. Many houses will stand deserted. Even beautiful mansions will be emptied. Ten acres of vineyards will not produce even six gallons of wine. Ten baskets of seed will yield only one basket of grain. What sorrow for those who get up early in the morning looking for a drink of alcohol and spend evenings drinking wine to make themselves flaming drunk. They furnish wine and lovely music at their grand parties. They leer in the harp, the tambourine and flute. But look at this, and I underlined this in my Bible, but they never think of about the Lord or notice what he's even doing. What's he saying here? He's saying he gave them everything that they could possibly need. They had every opportunity to produce good fruit, but they produced bitter fruit. They produced fruit all right. They sure did. But what sources were they connected to? Did you catch that in the scripture? It says they had mansions, they had land, they had friends, they had party, they had booze all day, apparently. They had entertainment, they had it all. And it says that they never thought about the Lord or noticed ever what he was doing. They never recognized the source of life. They never looked for life that God intended for them. They never even looked for it. Now, fast forward to John 15. And he's saying, guys, I'm the vine, God's the gardener. If, if you're going to any other source but me, you will be sorely disappointed. You will be disappointed. It will not work out for you. So for growth in your life to be an option, you've got to recognize and be connected to the source of life, which is Jesus Christ. I remind you of the question, do you want to grow in your relationship with God? And if so, you've got to recognize the source. Here's number two. The other thing that has to happen is you have to embrace elimination and cultivation. Embrace elimination and cultivation. Look back at John 15 verses two. 
He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they produce even more fruit. Now, in my Bible, I I underlined he cuts off, and then I underlined prunes. Cuts off and prunes, because he's talking about two different things here. Two different words. If you're a growing believer, okay, let's just say, and you're connected to the vine, You've got three things happening in your life right now. One, if you're connected and you're a growing believer, there are areas of your life that are producing good spiritual fruit. Okay, we're promised that. If we're connected to the vine, you're going to be producing some fruit. Okay, then there are areas of your life that are spiritually dead weight. That's going to happen. The third thing that's happening if you're a growing believer and you're actually connected to the vine is that there are areas of your life that are producing fruit, but those areas have a greater capacity to produce more fruit. You follow me? If you're growing in your relationship with the Lord and you're listening to the Holy Spirit, that's the caveat, by the way. He's going to be busy cutting bad things out and taking them away. And he's going to be trimming and pruning the good things in order to make way for better things. Remember last week, we talked about three different kinds of man that Paul talks about in his letters. Do you remember when we talked about that? We talked about there's the natural man, there's the spiritual man, and there's the carnal man. Do you all remember? Tell me you remember. It'll hurt my feelings if you don't. If you weren't here, just say, yes, I remember. Now, the natural man, remember, that's the unbeliever. It's the, We're all born natural men and women. We're all born natural. Okay, it's like, uh, and it's the unbeliever. The spiritual man is the person who knows the things of God and they're seeking to walk in the spirit. They're seeking to walk uh, as uh, a spiritual and they're believer. Now the carnal man, see, that's the tricky one. The carnal man is someone who is a believer. They know the things of God, but they're walking in the flesh. They're walking, they're, they're, the sin nature, they're allowing it to control their actions. Okay, they control their life. The natural man's not connected to Jesus at all. There's no spiritual growth. He's all dead. No pruning necessary. None at all. The spiritual man, though, is connected to Jesus, always growing, always something dying, needing cut away, always something needing to be pruned. That's the thing about walking in the Spirit. Now, it makes sense then when James you know, when he says in uh, James 1, 2, he says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come of, come of any kind your way, considering an opportunity for pure joy. And joy is one of the fruit of the spirit, by the way. He's like, consider it pure joy for you know that when your faith is tested, aka when you get pruned. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to, what's the word? Grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. No wonder he says that. See, for the person walking in the spirit, cutting off and pruning, it can be hard. And you're going to have to exercise some faith in the gardener while it's happening. But you have got to know, you have got to know that the gardener has a wonderful plan for your life. And in his hands, he's shaping you to be the person that he wants you to be, not what you want to be. It's for his sake, not your sake. So the spiritual man then Stay steady in the pruning. You stay steady in the cutting, even when it doesn't make sense. All this doesn't make sense. This hurts, Lord, but I'm going to stay steady. By faith, we stay steady in the pruning. 
We stay steady in the valley. We stay steady when we cannot see. We stay steady when we don't understand. We stay steady. That's the spiritual man. If you're growing, if you're a growing spirit-filled believer, it's easy to see how God could be cutting some dead things that are not connected to him. We can get on board with that even though it might hurt a little. It's the things that need pruning that can sometimes be hard to embrace. See, the pruned branches are the ones, they're producing some fruit in your life. But they're a little overgrown, maybe. It might be just a little out of balance, maybe not to you, but to him. See, these are the parts of our lives that they're connected to the vine. There's evidence of growth there. There may even be a zeal there. You've got God plans. You're seeking to serve the Lord. You're seeking after him. It's not necessarily bad things in your life. It's just overgrown things, good things that need to be pruned back to a spiritually healthy place for even greater growth. That's the kind of work that a master gardener does. He might be doing that in your life right now and you just don't understand it. I don't understand. He's cutting out some good things. That's where you have to have faith and trust the master gardener. Trust the pruning. Trust the cultivation in your life. That might be a season where you're using your gift, you're teaching, you're serving. You're in your wheelhouse. You're feeling pretty good about things. You're good at it. You've kind of figured it out. You're in love with it. You're producing some fruit. You're seeing some fruit. And then that pruning season comes for some reason. And you can't do that anymore. You've had to just take a step back. You're having to, you don't understand why. I don't know why. But as you trust the Lord, as you trust him, in the pruning of that thing. What you don't know is that trial and that challenge that's right around the corner that you can't see, that you're about to have to go through and you don't know it yet, it's going to produce a greater connection to the vine. And out of that trial, out of that challenge that's about to happen that you don't see right now, that's around the corner, you're going to learn something new about the the character and the nature of God that you didn't know before. And then when God reinserts you back into the calling as he sees fit, you're stronger, you're wiser, you have a greater opportunity to produce even more fruit in your life because the pruning that you just went through. Let me tell you what has to happen and what will happen. Will happen. When you're growing and seeking to walk in the spirit and your life is being pruned. I want you to hear me. Because you got to know this. You got to lock it in. When the pruning hurts, you have to know that God is getting ready to use you in different and in elevated ways. He's about to send people in your life that he's never sent before for you to minister to them in ways that you never could have before the pruning. You'll be able to relate in different ways than you never were able to relate before. That's the work he'll do in your life. You can't see it, but embrace it. Do you know how I know that? Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good 
And I'm going to insert this in here, and I think you could agree with me, and being pruned. Let us not become weary in doing good and being pruned. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, let's turn this coin for just a second. The person with the hardest time with the cutting and the pruning, it's going to be the carnal man. It's going to be the carnal person. Remember, that's where you're a believer, but that you're walking, uh, you're mastered by your flesh nature. Okay. You want to produce fruit because you're a believer. You want to, but you don't want to cut anything away because there's a spiritual immaturity there about the things of God and why he would even remotely try to prune something good from your life. You won't understand and you'll resist. See, you, the carnal man wants the tree, dead branches and all. You want it dead branches and all. You'll even paint your dead branches to look green so that it looks like your life is okay. You following what I'm saying? But here's what the carnal Christian often doesn't realize is that your life will never stay status quo. That will never work. Your tree, if you're producing some fruit as a carnal believer, your tree will not continue to produce fruit if you're letting branches, dead branches stay on it. Do you want to know why? Because the dead branches that remain take nutrients away from the parts that are producing the fruit, what little bit there are. And over time, what's producing now will stop producing and wither up and it'll die too. You following me? You want to know how I know that? Let me remind you of a scripture that I read last week. It's Romans 8, 5. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. Look at verse 6. Here's the key passage. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads. It always leads somewhere. Your sin never stays status quo. It always leads. Where does it lead? To what? To death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Listen, we're built for life. God created us and designed us for life. We're built for growth. We're built to produce fruit. We're designed to be cut on and pruned. We're designed that way. It's a part of a spiritual journey of every believer. Embrace the cutting and the pruning. It's a sign that you're growing. Here's number three. A healthy connection to the vine will produce good fruit. A healthy connection to the vine will produce good fruit. Go back to John 15, 4. It says, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Now, I want to give you a little example. This is what came to my mind as I was preparing this message. This might be silly. I don't know if anybody can relate to this. At home, all of my plugs work. Uh, the, my outlets. And and when I plug something into an outlet at home, it, it fits and it stays. But for some reason, 
when I travel, when Daniel Morris travels and I get to the airport or to a hotel and I try to plug in and charge my phone, I get one of those loose outlets. Do you ever had one of those where you plug in your charger and it falls out? Are you plugging in and halfway falls out and your little charger goes, and you take it out and you kind of spread the prongs out a little bit and you try to put it so it'll stay, but it kind of just, it falls. Do you ever get that? At home, all of my plugs are tight and they work. Everything stays plugged in. When I travel, I get a loose plug every time, every time. Now that's the spiritual picture here that he's painting. Jesus is saying, if you can get a strong connection, if you can get firmly plugged in to me, my power will continually flow through you. Thank you. I thought so too. See, you won't heat up. You won't fully charge. You won't light up unless you have a good, healthy connection to Christ. Now, there have been times in my walk with the Lord where I could describe my relational connection to Christ like a loose hotel plug. On, off, sometimes connected, sometimes not. Charging, losing a charge. See, our strength and growth and fruit-bearing capacity as a believer comes from living with a strong, tight connection to the person of Jesus Christ. My prayer often, Lord, hold me tight, keep me close and clean to you. That's often my prayer. Now, we can all tell pretty quickly when our electronic devices aren't connected, can't we? We keep a good little tab on that, that little uh, battery bar, that percentage, right? Carolyn makes fun of me because I get down to 80% and I'm looking for a plug somewhere. Some of you are maniacs and you let yours get down to like 2%. Y'all are crazy. So we can tell about that. So here's the question. How can we tell if we don't have a healthy connection that's abiding in the Lord? How can we tell? Galatians 5 speaks about nine things that you can see if you've got a good connection or not. Now, you know what these are. We've talked about them through this series, but I'm going to read them to you just in case you, you know, you're like, I don't know, I'm in the clouds today. Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, if you think about that list for a minute, these are the areas that every believer, whether you know it or not, whether you realize it or not, these are the areas that we all want to grow in. Are they not? See, I know that because you'd never say, no one in their right mind ever says, I wish I had a little less love and joy in my life. No one will ever say, I wish I wasn't so patient. Or I wish I was a little less kind. No one ever says that. Believer or not. People don't say that. No, these are the areas in which that we all wish we could have more of. This is a list. That's how you can tell 
if you're connected. I want to show you, and I want to challenge you. Here's a challenge. I, I want you to write this list down, uh, list these fruits, and then I want you to begin to pray for growth in these areas. And I'm going to show you what I did. I did this earlier this week. And um, I, I just, I topped it out and I said, uh, Lord, help me grow in these areas. And then I put the fruit of the spirit. You might not can see it, but there's the big bold letters, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, just self-control. So I wrote those out. And then I wrote down here, how am I growing in these areas? Question mark. And then I wrote, in what areas do I need help? All right. So that's all I had on there. And then as I've done my times with the Lord, I've gone through these and I've begun, I've started to pray through these. And I've looked up, like I would go through one and I looked up a, a love, scriptures on love. Okay. And, and the one that, the, that was highlighted to me, I wrote down 1 John 4, 19. And it says, we love each other because you first loved us. Boy, I just meditated on that. And so, and then I wrote, because uh, when I met, what came to is, is experience. I said, love is expressed when experienced. Isn't that a good, I don't know. That's not, that's just me. That's just me thinking. Love is expressed when it's experienced. So I wrote down here, experience equals expression. We can't express something that we haven't experienced yet. So I just begin to ask the Lord, Lord, teach me on these things. Show me in your word. And I just begin as, as he just, as he just did that. And then, uh, this morning I put a scale of one to 10 and I just, I said, Lord, let, and I just started to do a scale of one to 10 so that I know what areas that I, I feel like I need to work on. And I begin to pray, but I want to challenge you. I don't care what you do. I'm just showing, telling you, okay, about what I, I've done to try to grow in these areas. All I'm saying is, do something, do something to, for a marker of growth in your life in these areas. You want to, if you're a believer, you're going to want to, it's going to be a matter of doing it. These are called, see, the only way that these will grow is, is day after day, after day, after day, you remain connected to the vine. They're called the fruit of the Spirit because they're produced in the life of a spiritual man, not a carnal man, by the way. The carnal man can't manage or embrace the pruning because they don't have the fruit of the Spirit really growing in their lives. But the spiritual man can stand strong in the cutting and the pruning because he's strongly connected and experiencing the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I want you to look at this phrase and I'm done. Against such things, there is no law. Now, I think that's a really fascinating phrase to me. Um, here's a question. Why do we have a government and laws for ruling our land? Have you ever thought about that? Why we even have a government? Uh, it's not that they can run the country. They sure can't do that, it seems. But we have a government in place. Governments, you know, are ordained by God, a governmental system. Okay, is ordained by God uh, because of the sin nature. Do you know that? If you think about it, the sin nature, uh, there has to be some form of restraint and moral order or else there would be absolute chaos. Right? Now, you can tell 
how uh, the people are in a nation, their relationship with the Lord in general, uh, you can tell in America that we're moving away from the Lord rapidly. Yes. And even the laws that are on, in place, uh, they're not, I mean, even government is corrupt. Okay. And I'm able to do that. But laws are enforced, see, in our, across the land to keep us from going overboard. They're to keep us from, uh, as the Bible says, of tri- trespassing or, or, or living in excess, crossing the line. What Jesus is saying here when he says that uh, for these things, there is no law for these such things. He's saying there's no restraint on them. There's no condemnation in them. There is no law against what I want to give you. There's no, there's no reason to restrain any of it. You can live. In other words, there's complete freedom in abiding in Christ. Complete freedom. Isn't that what we all want is freedom? We're built, we're designed for freedom. Was it one of the saddest things to me? One of the saddest things to me is to see a believer who doesn't walk in freedom in their relationship with the Lord. That's so sad to me. It's so sad. See, you've got these external, extra biblical, external rules, these laws that you have on yourself to modify your behavior, to try to produce fruit that looks like the fruit of the Spirit. But yet you're really lacking in many or most of those areas and you're living in fear of messing up and, and, and you're the fear of unbelieving of, of what the world might do to you. you. You have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords living in you. This world can't do anything to you. You're always concerned about an opposing viewpoint. You're constantly waiting for the spiritual shoe to drop. I know because I've been there. And you know, for me, it was because I was not firmly connected to the source. I was not walking in the spirit. I was not walking in freedom. I was a believer, not walking in freedom. You know what I was doing? Do you know what we're doing? I was walking in religion. And I was governing myself by the law, which never works, by the way. I'm going to tell you this, if you're ready to run in freedom in Christ, you must stay firmly connected to the vine. Remember, God has a part and we have a part. God's the one who makes things grow. He's the master gardener. We don't know how to do that. He's the source of power. He produces, he's the one who produces the fruit. We don't produce the fruit. He produces the fruit. He's the grower. Our part is to cultivate the soul of our hearts. As we've learned in this series, you put yourself in the right environment for growth. You can't be surrounded by an environment of sin and expect your life for that to be an environment of growth, spiritual growth. We've got to bust up the rocks in the soul. Remember us talking about that and getting them out of the way. Those are things that, that's spiritual freedom. Those are getting rid of the bondages of sin, taking authority over that. It's the constant application of spiritual growth agents, being in the word, being in prayer, worship, being in community, obeying the spirit, having faith in the pruning, looking for God to work, seeing what he's doing. 
And when he prunes and when he cuts away, embrace it. Embrace the pruning. Pruning means you're growing. Pruning means you're growing.